What's up, ladies and gentlemen? This is your host, Howard Blend, and welcome to Howard's Blend. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by the Howard's Blend Podcast, where right now on my website, www.howardsblend.com, H O W A R D S B L E N D.com. We have the high-quality cotton t-shirts with the extraordinary Howard's Blend logo on the front for sale. The price includes shipping and handling and sales tax. So if you need a t-shirt or two, if you have a friend that needs a t-shirt or friends, if you have family member that needs t-shirts, you have a significant other or more than one significant other, your secret's safe with me. Grab one t-shirt or more. Thank you very much. In this episode of Howard's Blend. And I think um, this relates to, this is not in the research, this is from memory that I remember, I don't know, I don't see much, I don't watch much TV anymore, but uh, chewing gum, like, oh, this is sugar-free gum and it helps prevent cavities. So the idea is when you chew the gum, the artificial sweetener then has this bacterial bacterial static effect. It stops the bacteria in your mouth from reproducing, so it can help with breath, but then it also helps to prevent cavities. I think that was the idea behind it, so the bacteria wouldn't build up on your teeth and then eventually wear away at your uh, teeth and cause a cavity. Now, this bacterial static effect could lead to what's called dysbiosis, in the gut so the dysbiosis is the imbalance of the gut bacteria well okay folks this is the last episode of the aspartame series this is episode number six i'm pretty sure of that so we've covered wide array wide array wide array of potential negative effects with an E of aspartame on our body system. So brain, neurological, liver, kidneys, blood, circulatory system. This episode, we're going to focus on the effects with an E, potential negative effects, of aspartame on our gut microbes, like our gut bacteria. And then we're going to go into a summary, kind of my thoughts on all this stuff regarding aspartame. So let's just jump right into it. So after reading all the documentation, it is several, several multiple resources on the potential negative effects of aspartame on the gut bacteria, kind of the, the over, overall negative effect or potential negative effect is the changing of our metabolic phenotype. So what is a metabolic phenotype? It's, it's basically the end result uh, from exposure to various factors. So these factors could be dietary. In this case is what we're talking about, consumption of aspartame. It could be lifestyle, exercise, you don't exercise, environment. If you live uh, in a city that has a lot of air pollution, is basically the end result of our exposure to those factors. There's more factors, but there's just a few of them. So I'll give you an example. So 
years ago, I would see a dermatologist uh, for acne. And if you have severe enough acne, one of the first treatments that the doctor will prescribe is antibiotics. So the idea, and I actually went into this in much more detail in the episode of this podcast called Don't Touch Your Face. It's on my experience with acne, how I treated it with medical professional help, and then how I kind of do it on my own. But uh, the idea is there is bacteria on your face. It's actually all over your skin, but on your face. And then if they go into the pores where your sebaceous glands are that produce the oil, the sebum, and there's your sebaceous glands are producing too much oil and the bacteria gets caught in there, it multiplies, reproduces, it creates inflammation, that's acne. So the idea behind the antibiotic is, okay, take the antibiotic, you're going to kill that bacteria that's on the surface of your skin and uh, that reduces the chance of getting acne. And they did it to me. I took the antibiotics, took two or three different kinds of antibiotics, and it worked. When I first started, it worked. My acne cleared up. However, the antibiotic doesn't know the difference between the bacteria on your skin for acne and the bacteria in your gut to help with digestion. So it kills off all the bacteria. So whatever bacteria is left over, it could be more harmful bacteria or you may not have as much bacteria in your gut to help with digestion so you get digestive issues which happened to me that is a changing of the metabolic phenotype i'm actually changing the composition of the bacteria in my body due to the antibiotics in this case it was a it's it's not really lifestyle but more external factor in terms of medication now the the danger in changing this metabolic phenotype and the changes in the gut uh, microbes. The danger in that is it could affect uh, the functionality of our intestines and our digestive tract like it did with me. It, I would get stomach upsets and don't have to go into too much detail. You can kind of get an idea. Like when you have a problem with your intestines and digestion, you can get an idea of what, what happens. Uh, but the main thing that I got out of this reading the research is it could potentially disrupt or interfere with the sweet taste receptors in our gut, so in our small intestines. And the, this disruption, this interference could negatively affect, and that's effect with an A, uh, glucose absorption uh, and glucose homeostasis, homeostasis, so like the Preventing our glucose levels from going way too high or way too low, you know, keeping them relatively steady. Now, something that I learned doing the research for this episode is that there are actually taste receptors in our intestines, like I just stated, but these taste receptors are in our tongue. So everybody knows we have taste buds, so we can taste candy if you eat candy, you taste Brussels sprouts, which I love, which have more bitter taste to it. And those taste receptors, there's a, a T1R receptor. I believe there's three of them. I may be wrong on that. I didn't put it in the notes. I just remembered reading it. And those taste things like savory tasting um, and sweet. But there's also a T2R, which detects bitter taste in Reading the documentation, this is off the topic here, but I thought it would be interesting to, to note that the bitter taste is actually a 
protection mechanism. I've talked about protection mechanisms in the body before, but bitter tasting foods, like if you drink sour milk, that tastes more bitter. If you taste meat that may be rancid, that tastes more bitter. It's protection. So when you taste it, you know, oh, this is bitter. It's probably bad or spoiled. And then you don't eat it because then it can make you sick. I thought that was very interesting. It makes sense after reading it, but then beforehand, it's, I never put I never put the clues together, but it made sense after reading it, so I thought it would be interesting to add. But like I just said, those, those receptors are also in our GI tract, in our small intestine. In addition to what I listed you know, in terms of the glucose homeostasis, they're also integral to feelings of satiation. So if you feel full and gut motility, so that's like the contraction and stretching of our intestines, as food moves through that, moves through it. I believe it's peristalsis. So the idea of the taste rep, the idea of the taste receptors, boy, that was hard to say. The idea of the taste receptors in our small intestine is, let's say you drink a cola, you know, soda pop, and the sugar is now going through, or the glucose in this case, is going through the intestines those sweet taste receptors are then stimulated. We have glucose. The, and then the body responds by producing incretins. We talked about incretins in um, the diabetes series. One example is GLP-1, glucagon-like peptide 1, which then that signals the pancreas to produce insulin. So then that glucose can be taken out of the body and put into the cells. So the cells, you know, into the liver, stores glycogen, into the muscles, stores glycogen, etc. What the documentation was pointing to is that it's possible that artificial sweeteners, in this case aspartame, even though it is a non-nutritive sweetener, it doesn't have calories, it could still possibly stimulate those sweet taste receptors in the intestines. They don't know that it's no calories uh, in that artificial sweetener. So then GLP-1 is then stimulated to produce, to make the pancreas release insulin. So you're getting, you're getting the same reaction effect from eating, or I guess in this case, the example I use, drinking Coca-Cola, then drinking a diet soda that has aspartame in it the body's still responding to it the same in both cases, even though one has no calories and the other one has a lot of sugar with a lot of calories in it. Now, I do want to state before I, before I continue that the research that I used for this episode stated that that happens. But just like with the other episodes, I read other research saying, no, we've done more research, more studies showing that this doesn't occur. So I just want to point that out that I'm not saying this is set in stone. If you drink diet soda, then all of a sudden your insulin is going to spike because the body thinks it's getting sugar when it's, it's not actually sugar. So just putting it out there that this is what I read. So this is one of the results of many, many, many studies done on this. So getting back to the effect on the gut bacteria, I read that about the sweet taste receptors. It was in the documentation. I thought that's interesting. So I looked up other resources on the sweet taste receptors and the, the intestines. That's why I added that to it, even though it really didn't have anything to do with the, the gut microbes uh, directly. 
But going back to the effects on gut bacteria, artificial sweeteners, in, in this case aspartame, studies also show that it has a bacterial, bacterial static effect. Why is it hard for me to pronounce it? Bacterial static effect. B-A-C-T-E-R-I-O-S-T-A-T-I-C. What is that? That's basically something that it prevents bacteria from reproducing. And I think um, this relates to, this is not in the research, this is from memory that I remember, I don't know, I don't see much, I don't watch much TV anymore, but uh, chewing gum, like, oh, this is sugar-free gum and it helps prevent cavities. So the idea is when you chew the gum, the artificial sweetener then has this bacterial bacterial static effect. It stops the bacteria in your mouth from reproducing, so it can help with breath, but then it also helps to prevent cavities. I think that was the idea behind it, so the bacteria wouldn't build up on your teeth and then eventually wear away at your uh, teeth and cause a cavity. Now, this bacterial static effect could lead to what's called dysbiosis in the gut. So the dysbiosis is the imbalance of the gut bacteria. Going back to the opener of this episode where I said, after reading it, kind of the overall negative effect is this changing of the metabolic phenotype, the changing of the composition of the bacteria. So they consume artificial sweeteners, in this case, aspartame, and then that aspartame in the gut could possibly prevent the good bacteria in our, that we need for digestion from reproducing. It's killing off that bacteria, but it's maybe allowing more harmful bacteria to flourish. You're having this dysbiosis, the changing, or the I guess in this case, the imbalance of the gut bacteria that could lead to a physical you know, negative uh, side effect. Another a result of the dysbiosis is it could lead to glucose intolerance. So glucose intolerance is basically another word for hyperglycemia. So higher than normal fasting blood sugar. I guess it doesn't really necessarily have to be fasting. just higher than normal glucose at any time, even postprandial, which is after you eat. Uh, I do want to add in this, this is something I forgot, just uh, looking here at the notes. Not only could it lead to glucose intolerance, but there's also a higher than normal glucose excursion. So what's a glucose excursion? So it's basically the fluctuation in glucose after a meal. I believe it's usually referred to as postprandial glucose excursion. Again, postprandial means after eating something. So I'll give you an example. Let's say you're fasting glucose levels. So you wake up in the morning, it's been 10 hours since you've eaten something or whatever. You need to check your blood blood sugar levels and it's something like 80 milligram it'll say something like 80 mgdl that means 80 milligrams of glucose per deciliter of blood which is low that's that's a good really good normal fasting blood sugar and then you eat breakfast and then you check your glucose levels after you eat breakfast the postprandial and then it's like 130 130 milligrams per deciliter of blood. So that's a 50-point excursion. It went up 50 points. It didn't state this in the documentation, but I'm just assuming that if it's a high glucose excursion, then you know, with the negative effect of 
of aspartamase, in this case artificial sweeteners on the gut bacteria, that then maybe after a meal it goes up like 100 more points. So then it's like 230 instead of 130. You know, those it's this rapid fluctuation in, um, I guess in the, in the higher sense, it's going up higher uh, after a meal. That's what it's meant by the glucose excursion. Another thing to note is that in the documentation, it's stated that after a treatment of antibiotics, the um, glucose intolerance and the high glucose excursion went back to normal. And I'm also assuming that they used the antibiotic to kill off the quote-unquote bad bacteria after the artificial sweeteners killed off or caused this bacteriostatic effect to get rid of the beneficial bacteria and then the bad bacteria was able to flourish or whatever. I'm assuming they what it means by it went to normal after um, antibiotic treatment is the bad bacteria was then gotten rid of by the antibiotic treatment and then they repopulated the good bacteria given um, what's that called probiotics or something like that too to the um, test subjects but that's basically it for the gut bacteria again summarize it real quick or (laughs) real quick with me is, is relative but basically the idea behind it is consumption of artificial sweeteners in this case aspartame it could affect the metabolic phenotype so it's actually changing the composition of the bacteria in our digestive system does this because aspartame artificial sweeteners have a bacterial static effect which means it prevents the bacteria from reproducing it kills off the bad bacteria i'm only assuming again this i have to make assumptions in this a lot of time the bad bacteria the one that's more powerful uh, that can resist the effects of the uh, artificial sweeteners can flourish it throws the body or especially our digestive system in our body into dysbiosis you you get this imbalance of gut bacteria and that could lead to higher than normal glucose excursion the fluctuation in the glucose after a meal it causes glucose intolerance some of this may be related to the effect of an effect with an e of artificial sweeteners of stimulating our sweet taste receptors in our intestinal tract and then kind of tricking the body into producing more glucagon like peptide one which then signals the pancreas to make more insulin again that's an assumption on my part i'm just trying to connect the two i don't know if they're related Uh, and also i am not saying again that you consume artificial sweeteners that all of a sudden you're going to get diabetes or something like that I don't know. I am not a scientist. I just read the documentation making a summary and some assumptions. But again, there's also a shit ton of research that shows the opposite, that it has no effect or that the effect is so minimal. If you did the blood work, yes, you could see the numbers change, but it's not going to do anything negative. It's basically insignificant. So that's it for the potential negative effects of aspartame on our body now we're going to go into the summary to wrap it all up so to start it up i'm just going to reiterate what i just said so i put the resources that i used for this series in the notes of every episode and as i went through 
and had to find resources on the different body systems. I added those notes to it. So you look at the um, look at the particular episode that of the body system, whether it's liver, kidneys, whatever, and then I'll have additional resources that covered what I talked about if additional resources were needed. But I was specifically and purposely looking for studies that showed the negative effects of aspirin or potential negative effects. But as I said, there is a shit ton of research out there showing that if aspartame is consumed within the ADI, the acceptable daily intake, that there's no negative effects or the negative effects are so minimal that it's only detectable if you did like blood work and it's barely any, any difference at that point. And I actually talked about the ADI. This is Sunday, September the 13th, 2020. I actually had an Instagram live yesterday morning, September the 12th, when I went to the trails, I was doing my warm-up. I talked about the ADI. The ADI, per the European Food Safety Commission, I think that's what it's called, is 40 milligrams per kilogram per day. So... I still didn't, I didn't do the math. I should have done the math before this, but I'm roughly around 65 kilograms. I'm 140 pounds. So that would be 60 times, a pound is, excuse me, a kilogram is 2.2 pounds. So 60 times 2 is 120. 60 times 0.2 is 0, like 12. So it's like between 65 and 70 kilograms. We'll just say 65 kilograms. I'm around 140 pounds right now. As I said yesterday on the on the live session, you can go watch this, but a packet of equal is about 35 milligrams of aspartame. I rounded it up to make it easy. I just said, okay, we'll say a packet of equals 40 milligrams. So that means that I could consume 65 to 70 packets of equal every day and be considered at the acceptable daily intake. That is a shit ton of packets of equal. I talked about it on Instagram TV before that I was addicted to artificial sweeteners. Just like with a a drug addict, no different than a drug addict. You know, drug addict, you take cocaine or whatever. I was never addicted to drugs, so I don't know. But then you need more and more and more of that drug in order to get the same high that you did before. Your body becomes tolerant to it. Caffeine is a great example. You don't have to even do use an illegal drug. If you keep using caffeine, you need more caffeine in order to get that same high feeling from the caffeine. The taste receptors are the same. If you eat sugary foods after a while, your taste receptors become tolerant to that sweet taste and they need more stimulus, in this case more artificial sweetener, in order to get that same taste, that same sweet taste feeling or um, sensation. So I would be putting packets of equal on meat, on eggs, on salads, everything like that. And this is, this I started when I was a bodybuilder. Primarily I did it because it was an easy way to kind of flavor foods without consuming um uh, hydrogenated oils and stuff that are found like in salad dressings and stuff. And it's like, well, I have like 200 calories left that I'm, I'm under by 200 calories. I need to make that up. Well, instead of adding a few tablespoons or I don't know how many calories are in a tablespoon of salad dressing, 
and basically just getting all those extra calories from hydrogenated oils, which are unhealthy, I would add equal, and then I could add like an extra chicken breast, or I could add some more rice, or something that at least had protein, minerals, fiber, and if I'm eating the rice, in it that provides a little bit more nutrients for my body to help build muscle. But this goes also into why I don't give, or I try to avoid giving artificial sweeteners to my son. I have a 15-month-old son. He'll be 15 months in two days from now because they are so addicting and it's easy to get desensitized, that's hard to say too, desensitized to the sweet taste because it's so much more sweeter than sugar. And so it's not for any negative effects. I don't avoid aspartame because Oh, I'm afraid I'm going to wake up with a third eye or something like that. No. I don't consume it because I don't want to go back to the way it was where I'm pouring it on everything because I now can't taste anything sweet. I mean, I'm drinking a protein drink now that I do use stevia, or stevia, no, monk fruit extract, but I'm using like not even an eighth of a teaspoon. I mean, it's just a tiny, tiny, tiny little, and that tastes fine. I don't need it. You can build that sen- sen- sensitivity back, but it takes a while. You just got to cut out a lot of the sweet stuff. And aspartame, I think, is 200 times sweeter than sugar. A- another thing I want to talk about with this summary is that artificial sweeteners is not an excuse to eat like shit. I'll give you an example like um, sugar free cookies, you know, like diet cookies. Okay, well, they don't have any sugar in it because they have artificial sweeteners. Okay, that's good. But that doesn't mean it's an excuse to go and down a whole bag of those cookies because they're still processed. They could still contain a lot of fat to make up the taste because there's no sugar in it. And those fats are more likely hydrogenated oils, which are horrible for you. We could talk about hydrogenated oils later. I'm just saying that just because it has diet or just because it's, quote, has aspartame or, I don't really say quote, but just because it has aspartame or artificial sweeteners in it doesn't mean it's healthy for you. Just like I said yesterday, if you want to go and watch that Instagram live, I posted it as an IGTV. Read the labels. Be responsible. Take responsibility for what you're consuming. Do I think that artificial sweeteners are dangerous? No. I don't think that artificial sweeteners are dangerous. If consumed uh, within reason, if you're having like a whole entire box, like one of those boxes you buy from the store of equal or something like that, then yeah, there could be negative side effects of that. If you consume too much of anything, it can be unhealthy for you. So it's the same thing with the artificial sweeteners. You're not going to grow a third arm or as I said, a third eye with artificial sweeteners. Just consume it responsibly but okay folks that is it that wraps up the series on aspartame as i said earlier i think it was in the last episode this could be the end of the series on uh, artificial sweeteners i may do episodes on mumpfruit extract and stevia but the other artificial sweeteners like sucralose which is splenda Saccharin, which is sweet and low, 
acetylphane potassium was I think neotame was another one. I'm trying to remember all the ones I, I listed. I think those were the main ones that I listed. The negative effects, what I've seen so far, is pretty much similar to what I've just listed with aspartame. I'll check to make sure, see if there's any additional ones, but I believe they're pretty much the same. I'm not quite sure with stevia and monk fruit extracts. I may do episodes on those, but uh, if it's the case that it's all pretty much similar and I'm just rehashing all the shit again, then I'll end it. This will be the last, uh, last part of it. So, adios, folks, for now. Talk to you next time. I want to thank you for listening to this episode of Howard's Blend. If you enjoyed the show, you found value in the content, please leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, and subscribe. And conversely, if you're like Howard, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about, you're a stupid idiot, leave a negative review on Apple Podcasts, leave no rating or one-star rating, and don't subscribe. Just be honest, folks. If Apple Podcasts isn't your thing, the most recent episode of the podcast is on my website. Again, www.howardsblend.com, where you can also pick up the awesome high-quality t-shirt, the Chick Magnet t-shirt that I talked about in the last episode. Not likely a Chick Magnet. Confidence, guys. Confidence is what wins the women over. Yeah. Don't even listen to what I have to say on that. Uh... It's on the website. There is a contact link there where uh, also where you can reach out to me. I think I just completely lost my train of thought. The most recent episode is on the website. I'll go ahead and throw it. There's also a contact link in there where you can shoot me a question. Uh, But the show is also on Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. Just going back to what I just said, if you have a question, comment, if you have a suggestion for an episode of the podcast, a topic you want me to talk about. The show focuses on improving spirit, mind, and body. We're kind of focusing on nutrition at this point. But shoot me any question or shoot me any suggestion, and I'll look it over and get back to you. Uh, you can reach me, reach to, out to me. I can't even fucking talk today. You can reach out to me on social media. It's primarily Instagram and LinkedIn is what I use. Like I said, you can shoot me an email. It's howard at howardsblend.com or the contact link in on the website. All that will be in the description of the show where you can reach out to me. Uh, do I have anything else to add? Nope. That's pretty much it. Thanks, folks, for listening. Until next time, don't be afraid to use artificial sweeteners. <laughs>